Father, we continue in your presence now recognizing that you are worthy to receive glory and honor and power. You created all things and for your pleasure all things were and are created. And God, we we bow before you today just to worship you, to give praise to you. We look forward to that day when we will see you in all of your glory. We will see you in, in all of your beauty. But until then, God, thank you that you've given us a glimpse of who you are through your word. And today now we open up your word and we continue to worship you through the beauty of your word as you speak into our life. God, draw us into your beauty today. Draw us close to you as we continue to worship you now in Jesus' name. Amen. I invite you to take your Bible. If you brought a Bible today, you have a Bible, open it with me to the little letter of 2 Peter. Uh, again, we're working our way through, through this little book and a couple more weeks and, and, and we'll be done. But today, I want to invite you to join me in looking at the encouragement of our Heavenly Father. In Exodus chapter 20 and verse 12 in the, the Ten Commandments, we have the the, the one commandment that has a tremendous promise with it. Exodus twenty twelve says, Honor your father and your mother, that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. I think you would agree with me that there is something special about receiving a, a promising letter, a special letter from a father. Uh, I don't know about you, but when, when I left my home in Babinette, Alabama, and traveled three states away to college, and then after graduating from college, went to seminary, was three states away from our hometown uh, in, in, in Alabama. I received letter after letter after letter, regular letters from my mother and from my grandmother. I never received a letter from my dad or my granddad. Now, this wasn't because they didn't love me. Uh, that just wasn't something that they did. But you have in your hand today God's Word. There's something special about God's Word. It's God's love letter to you and me. When Gail and I moved out to Texas, I had the unusual experience of looking forward not only to receiving letters from her mom, but also from her dad. Every other month or so, her dad would send us a letter, and it always had money. <laughs> I was glad to see those letters come. <laughs> and at the end of the little note he had in there, he would always say, I love you. Now, I know he was talking about Gail. He was saying that to Gail, but I took it that he was talking to me as well. When we open God's Word today, we see in God's Word His love letter to us. The Bible is God's fatherly love letter to you and me, and we celebrate that today. I pray that you know how special that is. I pray that you treasure every single word in the Bible because it's God's love letter to you and me. And that's why I invite you today to join me in looking at the encouragement of our Heavenly Father. 
It seems to me that our society today is doing everything possible to destroy the family, especially fatherhood. There's so many things that are challenging in our world, especially in the area of godly leadership. Godly leaders focus on God, the perfect Father, who is truth, more than focusing on the way of the world, the things of the world. God is our perfect Father, and He cuts no corners in giving us instructions and giving us warnings to tell us how much He loves us. And that's where we are in His Word today. Second Peter is that kind of fatherly love letter that Simon Peter was giving to the church in his generation. But it's also, and more importantly, part of God's love letter to you and me. Both instructions and warnings should encourage us, should be encouragement to you and to me today. Life works best when we accept God's love letter and follow the instructions and the Heed the warnings that He's given us. And so that's where we're digging in today. Second Peter chapter 3. We're going to look at, first of all, verses 1 through 7, knowing that we've been introduced to the, the, the idea of God saying He loves us through instructions as well as through warnings. So you follow along with me as I read aloud. Second Peter chapter 3, verses 1 through 7. This is now the second letter that I am writing to you, beloved. In both of them, I'm stirring up your sincere mind by way of reminder that you should remember the predictions of the holy prophets and the commandment of our Lord and Savior through your apostles. Knowing this, first of all, that scoffers will come in the last days with scoffing, following their own sinful desires. They will say, where is the promise of His coming? For ever since the fathers fell asleep, all things are continuing as they were from the beginning of creation. For they deliberately overlook this fact, that the heavens existed long ago, and the earth was formed out of water and through water by the word of God, and that by means of these, the world that then existed was deluged with water and perished. But by the same word, the heavens and earth that now exist are stored up for fire, being kept until the day of judgment and the destruction of the ungodly. May God add His blessings to the reading of His word and to our understanding and application of His word today. So I want to encourage you today with God's word. On this Father's Day 2022, there's so much discouragement around us in this world. And I want to encourage you today in at least three ways. First of all, in verses 1 and 2, be encouraged in your thinking. Now, those of you who have been around a while know that I've said this probably too often, but how you think determines how you feel and how you feel determines how you act. It's important what you put in your mind. And so look at verse 1. This is now a second letter that I'm writing you, beloved. And both of them, I'm stirring up your sincere mind by way of reminder. Again, let me say there's something special about someone saying they love you. 
This word beloved that Simon Peter uses here is a general way of him saying that he loves God's family. He loves believers. He loves the church. And the church had a special place in his heart. Believers had a special place in his heart. The reference here, though, is bigger than just Simon Peter. It's God's reference to you and me that we are also beloved in His sight. Can you imagine with me being beside someone who just has a few days or a few weeks or maybe even just a few weeks to live? We've all been in that environment most likely. When we're in that environment, we listen to what people say. We perk up and we, we listen to what they have to say. That's probably the picture here. Simon Peter was about to die. He knew he was about to die. He was going to be executed. And these words ring true from the heart of one who loves the people who is receiving this letter. When Jesus was bleeding and suffocating, on the cross. He had this same kind of spirit. He looked down and he said, Mother, I love you. And I'm leaving John to take care of you. It was his way of saying how much his mom was beloved, how much he loved her. Imagine the power in that message to both his mother and to John. And somehow, somehow, I want you and I to get that picture in our mind today of what God is saying to us about being beloved by Him. He cares about us that much. Because again, there's something special about being beloved. Simon Peter starts off in verse 1. He says, this is now the second letter. And then the end, he says, by way of reminder. And so he's saying something that he said before. Priorities are like that. When we have priorities in our life, we don't mind repeating them over and over and over again. I've said this to you before. I'll say it again, is what Simon Peter is saying, because it is important. We have that kind of situation around here. You often hear us talk about our vision. What's our vision? It's to know Jesus and make all of life about Him. I don't mind repeating that because it's a priority. It's highly important to us. We want you not to go away from here without knowing Jesus. We want you to understand the power in life that makes all of life about Jesus. We also have a priority that we call our mission. Our mission statement is to make disciples who make disciples. People who know Jesus and make all of life about Him want to obey Him. And the last command that Jesus... I didn't make up our mission. Jesus gave it to us. He said, go into the world and make disciples of all nations. So the priority of this church is to help us know how and where. To make disciples who make disciples. These are, our, these are our priorities. And so Simon Peter is repeating something that is critically important here. Critically important. He wanted to stimulate the believers in the first church to be alert, to be on guard, to make all of life about Jesus. So Simon Peter said, I'm stirring you up. I'm stirring up 
your sincere mind. This word sincere is a very special word in the New Testament. The picture here is of a clay pot. When, when someone had a clay pot that was pure, they could hold it up to the sun, they could hold it up to the light, and there were no cracks in it. It was pure. It was solid. What evil, greedy merchants would do when a pot was cracked was they would, they would take wax and fill in the crack and then paint over it so it looked like it was whole. But if you held it up to the sun, you could see those cracks, the outline of those cracks in the pot. If a pot had cracks that was filled with wax, what would happen when heat came? The, the Middle East was a kind of an arid place. What, what would happen when the sun would bake down upon that? Well, the wax would melt, and whatever was in the pot would be wasted on the ground. Whenever pressure was put on that spot, the, well, the, the wax would give way and the contents would fall to the ground. What is he saying? He's saying that believers must live a life like he talked about in chapter 1. That's a godly life. It's a life where when, when held up before light, God is going to see a pure heart. When held up before the light, God is going to see someone who is truly following Him and truly making all of life about Him. And when unbelievers look at that pot, look at your life, they're going to see something that's pure. They're going to see something that glorifies God. And that's the purpose of what Simon Peter is saying here. He's saying, I'm stirring up your sincere mind. To have a sincere mind means that there are no cracks in your pot, no cracks in your life. Many of you probably read or saw reports which were so sad about abuse among leaders in our Southern Baptist Convention. For over a decade, these sins have been covered up. They've been intentionally covered up. And now they've come out into the open and what has that done to the testimony of the gospel? See, it's one thing, to, it's one thing to, to fall short of God's glory and to sin. But when that happens, don't cover it up. Admit it. Let God do something that only He can do. Let Him make you over again. Let Him make you new again. So that when the world looks at you, they see integrity. They see something that has no cracks in it. Simon Peter reminds believers in verse 2 that the way to maintain wholesome thinking is to remember Scripture. He says, remember the gospel came to us through the predictions of the holy prophets and the commandment of our Lord and Savior through the apostles. Be sure to remember today all that Jesus taught and all that Jesus fulfilled. Be encouraged through your thinking that is grounded on God's Word, God's truth, the predictions of the holy prophets, the commandments of our Lord and Savior through the apostles. We have that today in, in God's Word, and we need to treasure God's Word today, and we need to form our thinking based on God's Word, rather than culture, rather than the way of the world we talked about last week. 
we must remember that there's a difference in right and wrong. We must put our lives in a position to where we value the holy prophets and the commandments of our Lord and Savior through the apostles. God, our Heavenly Father, has given us His love letter, His instructions for us to follow. Let me ask you something. I know today we live in a technology world, and I don't know, some of you here may never have received a letter in the mail. (laughs) It's kind of a rarity today. But in the old days, we used to get letters in the mail. Imagine getting a letter in the mail, or even imagine getting an email. And you see that someone that you care a lot about, that loves you dearly, has sent you an email or sent you a letter. Are you going to look at that and say, oh, I got a message from somebody that I love. I'm going to treasure that so much. But you never open it up. You never read it. You get a letter from someone. It's packed with encouragement. It's packed with love. And you put it on a shelf and you just, man, I treasure that. That that letter came from somebody that I love. You wouldn't dare do that, would you? You're going to open it up. You're going to read it. You're going to hang on every word. You're going to treasure every word. And that's our attitude toward God's Word. It should be our attitude toward God's Word. Because when we treasure His Word, the Word from the life of Jesus, the Word from the prophets, the Word from the apostles, when we treasure that, it then can encourage our thinking. It can encourage our life. It can guide and mold our thinking toward godly thoughts. Now, the right living that we do that Simon Peter's talking about here is not to earn our salvation. But it's to show that we have been rescued from sin. Jesus has rescued us. Jesus has paid the price for the penalty of our sin. And we've accepted that gift that He's offered us. And we do like Simon Peter talks about in the last verse of this little book. We keep on growing in the grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So God the Heavenly Father has given you and given me His love letter that is good for our instruction, that's good for our warnings about pitfalls that are out there before us in life. And let me say it again, His Word should determine our thinking rather than the way of the world determining our thinking. God sets our standards and not the world. So be encouraged today in your thinking that's grounded in God's Word. The apostles affirmed the teachings of Jesus with their lives. They became martyrs. They sacrificed because of the truth of God's Word. And they knew that all of God's Word would come to pass. And you and I should be confident in that today as well. So be encouraged. Let His thinking, the thinking of our Savior, be your thinking. Not only has God offered you salvation, but He's given those who believe 
The mind of Christ. Listen to this in Philippians chapter 2 and verse 5. He says, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. The way of thinking that Jesus had is available for you and me today. We can live with His mind. We can be guided by His truth if we anchor our life in the Word of God. And remember how much God loves you. He sent Jesus to die for your sins. He loves you enough to offer you forgiveness for your sins. For God so loved, the Bible says in John 3.16, God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whoever believes in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world but that the world through him might be saved. So today, let your thinking reflect the fact that you have put your trust and faith in Jesus Christ. Be encouraged in your thinking. Secondly, be encouraged in spite of scoffers. Verse 3 says, Knowing this, first of all, that scoffers will come in the last days with scoffing, following their own sinful desires. They will say, where is the promise of His coming? For ever since the fathers fell asleep, all things are continuing as they were from the beginning of creation. So every time we follow Jesus, like we do often here at this church, in in sharing the Lord's Supper, in sharing communion, we remember the fact that we're sinners And God loved us enough to become flesh. He became one of us and lived among us. Jesus came to this world. He lived a perfect life. Never sinned. And that's important because of His perfection. He became the perfect sacrifice to shed His blood to set us free from the penalty of our sin. Do you believe that? Do you understand what that conveys about the love of God for you and me? He loved you enough to die for you. And consequently, He invites us to know Him and walk with Him and accept His forgiveness and then live a life that is godly, to live a life that reflects the fact that we know Him and that we love Him. A scoffer is someone who mocks the things of God. And I can't, think of, I can't think of anything much worse than mocking God. Mocking the love of God. A scoffer or a mocker is someone who literally denies the things of God. Who makes fun of people who believe in the things of God. What would be the motive for that? Well, the motive for scoffers and false teachers is selfish indulgence. Sinful desires that Peter talks about here in verse 3. The sinful desires here results in lustful living. Everything's about me. Everything's about what I can get. False teachers ignore God's Word or, even worse... They change God's Word to benefit themselves. 
False teachers thrive where God's word is watered down. False teachers will make fun of believers who live godly lives. Has that ever happened to you? Have you ever had someone make fun of you for living a godly life? I bet you have. If you've walked close to Jesus long enough, you have. Simon Peter says, expect it. Expect mockers to deny the truth of God's word. Expect mockers to make fun of those who follow God's word. In a debate with William Craig Lane, one modern mocker put it this way, and I quote, he said, I think it's sad that after 2,000 years, people still think Jesus is coming back. Instead of mocking, I'll offer a prediction of my own. You, your children, your grandchildren, your great-grandchildren, and on for a hundred more generations will live and die without any second coming of Jesus. The stars will burn out. The sun will grow into a red giant, burning the earth to a crisp without any second coming of Jesus. Trillions of years from now, the universe will expand so much that not even atoms can form. And the second coming of Jesus will be nothing but a forgotten prophecy that never came true. That was the mindset of Simon Peter's audience in the first century. And nothing has changed over 2,000 years. There's still people today who think they're smart people who deny the fact that Jesus is coming back again. So that was exactly what Simon Peter was addressing. And you can expect there to be mockers today who will mock the second coming of Jesus. So heed the warning of Scripture. Be prepared for false messages that deny that Jesus is God. That deny especially that Jesus is coming back again. Don't be afraid to ask questions. See, the truth can stand questioning. The truth can stand questioning. False doctrine gets angry when we question their false doctrine. In the summer of my sophomore and junior year, two summers, I spent as a sanitation engineer in Baymanette, Alabama. That means I rode on the side of a garbage truck and I picked up cans and put the garbage over into a dump truck to take to the dump. <laughs> Very interesting two years. You know, it's amazing what you can learn about somebody from their garbage. See, back then, we didn't have plastic bags. Back then, there were none of these fancy trash cans where you just put it on a machine and it dumped. I mean, physically, we had to dump that trash over into a dump truck to go to the trash. That summer, I learned, listen to this now, I know this is nauseating, this is a little while before lunch, but I learned to live in the world of maggots. Maggots thrive on spoiled food. And much of the garbage in the summertime that I dealt with was filled with maggots. As I look at what Simon Peter says here, that's the picture that I see in my mind of these false teachers, these mockers, these scoffers. They were maggots and they thrived on eating people up 
who were spoiled, who were living on spoiled truth, spoiled doctrine, unpure truth. Many who expected Jesus return, to return in their lifetime were actually dying, and that put doubts in the mind of people about the second coming of Christ. And 2,000 years later, we still have people who are doubting the fact, as representative in the article that I just read to you, that are putting doubts in the minds of people about the second coming of Jesus. But Simon Peter reminds us that we need to celebrate the fact, expect the fact that Jesus is coming back again. The New Testament is filled with promises of it. For example, John chapter 14 and verse 3, Jesus said, I am coming back again to take you unto myself that where I am there you may be also. He repeated this promise three times in Revelation chapter 22, the last book in the Bible. The last word we have from Jesus, He repeated three times. In Revelation 22, 6 and 7. In Revelation 22, 12 and 13. And in Revelation 22, 20. Jesus said, I am coming quickly. So be ready for it. We should be encouraged that Jesus said He's coming back again. It's a promise that the founding fathers of our faith, the apostles, were martyred for. They stood on that promise. They believed it. They accepted it. They died for it. Billy Graham and some of our generation said this, and I quote, The most thrilling, glorious truth in all the world is the second coming of Jesus. It's the sure promise of the Father. One day He's coming back. Remember, Jesus promised, I come quickly. I understand this. It's foolish to predict when Jesus is coming back again. I mean, all that does is put a shadow on the truth of the gospel. But it's even more foolish not to be ready and not to look forward to the imminent return of Jesus Christ. So if you're here today and you've never put your faith and trust in Jesus, please trust Him today. As His Holy Spirit knocks at your heart door, don't turn Him away. Admit that you're a sinner. Believe that Jesus died for your sin. Confess your sin to Him. Repent of your sin and turn away from your sin. And begin today to make all of life about Jesus so that He can use what time you have left here on this earth to glorify Him and to share the message of how He's changed your life. Be encouraged in spite of mockers. Be encouraged in spite of scoffers. And then finally today, in verses 5 through 7 of 2 Peter chapter 3, I want you to be encouraged by God's judgment. God's judgment. His judgment can be used as a warning. His judgment can be used as encouragement to you and me. Verse 5 says, For they deliberately overlook this fact, that the heavens existed long ago, and the earth was formed out of water and through water by the Word of God, and that by means of these the world then existed was deluged with water, and perished. 
Peter was saying mockers have a selective memory. Mockers intentionally forget what they don't want to remember. And he takes back through some biblical history, through some world history. He said mockers deliberately forget that God always follows through with His promises. Mockers deliberately overlook the fact that there was a beginning, that God created everything. Remember that. He's the Creator. Creation proves that God is in charge. He spoke with His Word. Creation into existence. Nobody else could do that. Nothing else could do that. He spoke our world into existence. Peter reminds believers that the same Word of God that spoke the earth into existence destroyed the world with water. But He preserved Noah through the flood. So judgment by water proved that God is in charge. Back in 2 Peter chapter 2 and verse 6, remember we talked about the fact that God... God, through His Word, turned the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah into ashes. He rained down fire from heaven. Noah's neighbors mocked until it started raining. It had never rained before. And when that first drop of rain, those drops of rain started hitting people on their heads, they said, "Uh uh-oh. Uh Uh-oh, Noah's been talking about this for years, and now it's happening. Imagine what they must have thought when rain started falling from heaven and utterly destroyed them. The sin-soaked cities of Sodom and Gomorrah mocked Lot. Peter recalls that story in 2 Peter chapter 2. They mocked Lot. Until fire started raining down from heaven upon their heads. I want to encourage you today to remember that, yes, there is pleasure in sin for a season. But as we discovered last week, the way of the world is a trap. The temporary pleasure of sin in this world is a trap because all sin will be judged. Lot survived because of his faith in God. Noah survived because of his faith in God. So be encouraged today by God's judgment in the past so you don't have to experience the full weight of God's judgment. See, here's the reality. All sin is judged. God punishes all sin. But you have a choice today while you're still alive To let the punishment for your sin fall on Jesus rather than you have to experience that judgment, that punishment yourself. So be encouraged today in God's judgment. Scoffers, mockers, deliberately overlook reality. God was faithful to Noah. God was faithful to Lot. And God will be faithful to you when you put your faith and trust in Him today, and you believe that, yes, Jesus did come, Jesus did die for your sin, 
And prayerfully, you have given your life to Jesus. But remember, He's coming back again. So put your faith and trust in Him. Verse 7 then says, But by the same word, the heavens and the earth that now exist are stored up for fire, being kept until the day of judgment and destruction of the ungodly. This sinful earth one day is going to one day burn up. It is. It's going to burn up according to God's word. It's truth. What does fire do? Well, fire purifies. Before we moved to Myrtle Beach a number of years ago, Gail and I lived in Greenwood. We had a, a very good friend, one of our best friends, was a jewelry maker. And it was so interesting to go into the jewelry shop and watch her take gold and place gold into a container and turn on the torch, turn on fire, and burn and melt that gold. And it was so interesting. You could actually see the impurities go up in smoke, poof up in smoke. They would spark up in the air. The impurities would be burned out of the gold. And then she could take that pure gold and mold it into something that was most beautiful and most valuable. Fire burns away the impurities. One day, creation is going to be restored through the fire. The earth and the planets will melt away. And then God is going to create the new creation. The new creation, the restored creation will be like it was in the beginning when God first created in Genesis chapter 1 and 2. Well, how should we respond to mockers today? They're here. They're around. And let me just make a few suggestions about how to respond to mockers today. First of all, respond rationally. Realize that we are in a spiritual war. In the book of Ephesians, chapter 6, verses 12 to 16, the Apostle Paul gives a perfect picture of putting on the armor of God so that we can stand against the wiles of the devil. Let me just read it to you. He says, For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against rulers, against authorities, against the cosmic powers of this present darkness, against spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand firm. How do you do that? Verse 14. Stand therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication. See, we don't have to enter this battle alone. God has given us His Word. He's given us prayer. He's given us uh, the ability to stand in His strength to withstand in this evil day. So respond rationally. Also, remember how to confront godless culture. This world... It's our mission field. This past week at the Southern Baptist Convention, 
52 new missionary families were sent to the world, to the four corners, to the dark corners, to the hard places in the world to share the gospel. It's not only their responsibility, it's our privilege and our responsibility as well to be faithful to showing the mission field around us what it looks like to know Jesus and to love Him. Also, respond in love. This passage teaches us to repay evil with love, to repay anger with kindness, to repay scoffing with a genuine understanding of lostness. I'm so thankful today that God is raising up a generation of young leaders. I mean, we have them in this church. I mean, last week, a group of our students went to youth camp and there were more than a half a dozen or so young adults who went as their, as their role models, as their leaders. And they've come back ready to let that light shine in our community as well. I'm so thankful that God is raising up young leaders. So let's wrap this up. Let's land the plane. There are three application points that I've already, I've already shared, but let me just repeat them again. First of all, remember God loves you. Have you heard Him say that to you today? Have you been close enough to God to hear Him say, I love you? Secondly, remember the promise of Jesus. What's the last promise? He repeated three times. He said, I come quickly. He's coming back in. Not only did He come to save us and set us free from sin, but He's coming back to be magnified in glory forever and ever and ever to take us with Him to eternity. He said, I come quickly. And then thirdly, remember how to confront this godless culture. Don't try it on your own. Don't try it in your flesh. Take the Word of God and let that be not only the armor that you need, but the artillery that you need to stand strong in this world today. I want to encourage fathers, especially on this Father's Day 2022, and I want to encourage you with regard to this special day that we celebrate in many places around the world as well as our country. I know many of you had wonderful fathers. And many of you here today are wonderful fathers. And I celebrate that today. I thank you today for being a faithful father. In Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 4, the Bible says, Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Now, I don't have time to unpack this, but child-centered parenting is not godly parenting. Mothers and fathers, guardians today, need to take the lead in setting the pattern, the habits, the standards for children again. Do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Many of you had or even have godly fathers, and I celebrate that today. Some of you might have had horrible fathers. Some of you may have fathers who died 
early in your life. Some of you may have had deadbeat fathers. Some of you may have either had fathers who abused you. If that's you, I'm, I'm so sorry. I'm sad about that. But regardless of whether you had the best father in the world, and nobody has a perfect father, no man, no human is perfect, or whether you had a horrible experience with your father, don't judge God based on what earthly fathers look like. God, the Bible says, is the perfect father. And listen to what God has to say to you in conclusion today. In 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 17 and 18, the Bible says, Therefore go out from their midst and be separate from them, says the Lord, and touch no unclean thing. Then I will welcome you, and here's the key, and I will be a father to you. And you shall be sons and daughters to me, says the Lord Almighty. God is our perfect Father. And I want to encourage you to worship and celebrate Him today. I want, to, I want, to, I want you to be encouraged as you see God with His arms open wide to welcome you into His presence today. Run to the perfect Father. God, thank you today that you invite us to run to you. I cry out along with the writer of Scripture, the writer of your perfect, precious, holy, complete word. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Thank you, God, for being a perfect father, thank you for inviting us to come to you, all who labor and are heavy laden. Thank you for inviting us to cast our cares upon you because you care for us. Thank you that you loved us while we were still sinners and died for us to set us free from the penalty of our sin. And God, I pray today that not one person would go away from here today rejecting you or mocking you. God, help us to heed the warning. Help us to take the judgment of the past as a sign that you hate sin. And we don't have to live under the power and the presence of sin. So help us, Lord, to totally commit our life to you today. Give our life to you in Jesus' name. Amen.